Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Personal Growth Project podcast. Believe it or not, I've finally figured out how to connect my microphone to my camera to my computer um, after a two-hour-long excursion. Um, So I'm kind of tired and I should be asleep right now because it's the night before my birthday. But I also wanted to record this because everything is fresh on my mind. So I'm just going to have to run my four to five miles tomorrow morning um, in a very sleepy state. So we're going to be going over 17 things that I learned at the ripe old age of 17. Um, And... These are important for me to share, and I've made this kind of a yearly tradition just because I feel like it's such a great way to wrap up a year, you know, to kind of go over the things that you learned. And I feel like in terms of personal growth, this past year was the best one that I've had so far. I just made so many improvements in terms of like, you know, learning to like work with my ADHD, learning to be productive finding interests of my own, you know, like learning programming was so much fun. Um, And also just kind of like learning to enjoy life, healing from things. I feel like in terms of emotional maturity, I grew so much this year. Um, I really learned how to emotionally, like, this sounds kind of weird to say, like I'm looking for the right words. I just learned how to, yeah, emotionally detach from situations, like not take things so personally. And so I think that like it's just caused such great dividends in all of my friendships and interactions with people. And I really hope that some of these lessons can help you also heal and grow in terms of productivity and everything else. So I'm just going to go ahead and start. If you see me looking off camera, it's because I'm looking at my little list back there. Number one lesson, you don't have to force the right things, especially when it comes to people, because the right people will see your value from the very beginning. And this is something it took me a while to learn, because for the longest time, I don't know, I just kind of felt like I had to put an effort to make things work with people in certain situations. And when it comes to, um, like, a goal or something that you have like that, yeah, you should work towards it. But when it comes to people, it should not require more effort on your end. You know, when you meet the right people, I think that as a female, for me, especially when it comes to, like, talking to any guy they should be approaching you or at least putting in some sort of effort from the very beginning. If you're the one um, doing all of the pursuing and putting in all of the effort, then that's not a good sign because what I've learned with guys and especially with friendships this year is just that the right people will see your value from the very beginning. And it's like, you know, as much as you want to hang out with them and spend time with them, they will want to hang out with you. So, like, it's mutual. With the right people, there's just that instant click. And if you find yourself really worrying about something nonstop and you feel like you're losing peace over a situation, then it's probably just not the right person because the right friends and um, the right guys or girls, if you're a guy watching this, it'll click. You'll just kind of know that it's right because those people will bring you peace and not anxiety. So number two, time doesn't heal wounds, you do. I know, I know, crazy, very powerful. I used to think that just kind of like, you know, if you give a bad situation time, it'll just resolve itself. But what I've learned is that Yes, that phrase is true, time does heal wounds, but it's only because over time you make the decision to heal it. Like, even if you don't put in that much conscious effort, I mean, if you give anything a year, you're just kind of going to move on. (laughs) But if you really, really want to, like, completely clean the slate and start over and heal from something, you have to put in conscious effort towards figuring out what it is about the situation that really hurt you. And even if you can't find closure, 
because a lot of us never will find closure with things. It's not really something that you can force. Just figuring out what it was about the situation that bothered you and healing that part of yourself is how you're going to move on. Um, Like, there was a situation that it kind of took me a while to get over, and I kind of wanted to jump immediately into this phase of, oh, well, you know, they weren't really that great for me anyways, I need to move on. And I didn't give myself time to think about what it was with the situation that bothered me. And what it ended up being was the fact that I just kind of felt like, I kind of felt like I was deceived and I was kind of upset with myself for um, maybe being a little bit too optimistic about things. And there were some signs that, you know, um, this person kind of just wasn't right for me. But I kind of ignored them because I was being a very big optimist. And that was what prevented me from moving on because it took me a very long time to kind of really put the past in the past. And I thought it just was like shameful because I couldn't really move on as fast as I wanted to. But if you feel like you can't move on or you feel like there's still some attachment lingering... You have to go deeper and ask yourself what it is about it that really bothered you. And you'll find that there's something deep within you that needs healing. And for me, it was just learning to forgive myself, you know, kind of for being a little bit naive. It's okay. I'm young. Um, And when you learn to not have such shame over your mistakes, then you can really move on. So number three is... You can't hate yourself into a life that you love. And this kind of ties into what I said before. Um, I think that a lot of us feel shame around our mistakes. And like, I used to be like completely awful to myself. I'd make a mistake. Maybe I'd accidentally sleep in one morning or I would miss a run or I'd just feel too tired to do something like when I would get back from school. I wouldn't be able to focus, and I would just get so mad at myself. Um, But that's not healthy. (laughs) And that's going to end up really hindering your growth, because believe it or not, you have to be gentle with yourself. Okay, you must forgive me, but I have to go to sleep because it's 1030, and I kind of made a mistake when I was recording, and I just recorded 20 minutes worth of footage. And admittedly, it did get a little bit personal, like I was actually doing a really good job being vulnerable. But unfortunately, I accidentally wiped the footage from my computer. And it's 1030 and I need to run like four to five miles tomorrow morning because it's my birthday and what better way to start it than to run. So I'm going to get a good night of sleep, probably about five hours. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to finish this episode and do a really good job and finish the rest of the mm, 14 lessons I have left to talk about. So, good night. Okay, here we are back in the morning. I ran a few miles this morning and it was pretty fun. I guess I'm 18 now, (laughs) so this episode is probably going to be better now that I've actually had some sleep, though admittedly it was only about four hours. But regardless, we have a podcast episode to finish. (laughs) As I was saying, you can't hate yourself into a life that you love. So whenever you approach trying to change with an attitude of resentment, it usually only demotivates you from moving forward. So let me think of a good example. I know that when I tried waking up early, um, I had this long period of time where I just would keep sleeping in and I'd feel so much shame about it because I would wake up and I would just feel so tired. I just felt like I had to get back in bed and it really didn't feel good. I felt like I was letting myself down. And instead of, you know, approaching it with an attitude of, hey, you know, maybe there's something wrong and maybe you should just go to bed earlier, all I felt was just shame at myself for not waking up early. But what actually changed things was saying, hey, Abigail, you know, it's okay that you keep sleeping in. 
you know, maybe instead of getting mad at ourselves this time, what we're going to do is figure out what it is that our body needs. Because usually when you struggle with motivation with a certain thing, it's not just that you're lazy or that you're a bad person. It's usually just that, like, you know, there's something missing that you need to move forward. For me, it was more sleep. You know, it's very hard to wake up at five in the morning if you're barely getting any sleep. So taking a loving approach was what allowed me to say, hey, you know what, maybe I need sleep and maybe I'll go to bed earlier. So I started going to bed earlier and taking care of myself and that was what helped me make the change. And the next one is Kindles are the best investment of all time in the solution to screen addiction. This one is so huge. This year was truly the year of the Kindle for me. Well, actually, it would be more like the past two months because I had a Kindle um, last year, but I never really used it that much. I mean, I used it, but it wasn't a consistent habit. I loved having my Kindle and carrying it around, but I didn't really use it that often. It was my parents' Kindle. It was, I think, a fourth generation Kindle from 2011 with page turn buttons, an ancient device. It wasn't connected to the Kindle store. It was so old, like it didn't even have internet connection. So I had to download PDFs of books to it, but I loved it regardless. And um, (laughs) so when I was in Atlanta in October, I'm kind of clumsy, so I dropped my Kindle and it hit like the step of the Airbnb I was staying at and I didn't think anything of it, right? Because it kind of had a protective case. Actually, I can show you. I can do you one better. Wait one second. Okay, we're back. It had a protective, it had a protective case. Um, so as you can see, it's like a leather Kindle. I loved it because of the color. I'm so sorry if you're listening to this episode. I guess you don't get to see the Kindle, but I just loved how classy it is. I love the classy design. And when I open it, you're going to be so horrified with just how bad the damage is because it's really bad. (laughs) So this is what happened to my Kindle. Excuse my nails. I know they're chipped. I really need to redo them but it was obliterated by the step. And I didn't figure it out until I got in bed that night. And ironically, that night was the night that I actually got in bed on time and was ready to cuddle up for like 30 minutes of reading. Like I finally got my act together, boom, it was gone. I opened it up and my heart just dropped because the screen was so destroyed. I was like, There's just no way this is going to work. But the worst part about it was that the page turn buttons were my favorite part of the Kindle. And here, I'll try to show you. But like, they were literally smashed in. Like the page turn buttons were destroyed. There was no using it. It literally makes me so sad to look at this. But it's okay, because I got a new Kindle. Um, I was ACT tutoring someone kind of through September and October. God bless them because because of them, I had the money to buy myself a new Kindle. I want to show you guys because I'm so proud of it. It's the Kindle Oasis. I got myself a nice little cute feminine pink cover. I love it so much. And so the page turn buttons were my favorite part of the Kindle that I originally had because... don't know I just love pressing the page turn button it really motivates me to keep reading for some reason I don't get as much satisfaction from swiping on the screen um but there's only one kindle with page turn buttons and it's the kindle oasis and it's like two hundred dollars but god blessed me because the day after I dropped my kindle the kindle oasis went on sale I think I got it for like fifty dollars off um And as soon as it got, like, to my house, I completely fell in love. Let me show you guys. So it has page turn buttons. Now, I will say the older generation has page turn buttons on both sides, but I never really used the right, not the right, I never really used the left side page turn buttons. Um, This one only has buttons on the right side, as you can see here. I love it so, so much. This is literally the coolest case. Let me show you. So it has a hand strap. So like I can walk around like, 
you know, flail my hand around. The Kindle's not going anywhere. The coolest part, I'm not sure if I can show it since I don't have a desk in front of me, but this little back part of the case pops out. So, like, if I'm getting ready in the morning, I just, like, set it down on my um, counter and I can kind of, like, swipe along to a book or listen to an audiobook while I'm getting ready. Yeah, that's a huge thing. Audiobooks on the Kindle are incredible. My old Kindle was so old, it did not have the audible functionality, but the new Kindle Oasis um, has audible functionality, and my parents are the best. I think God really matched me with good parents because my parents happen to be self-improvement junkies like me. So they have an audible library, not even joking, with like 700 books. And whenever I want to read a self-improvement book, I'm not even joking, usually it's already in our Audible library. My mom is just incredible. She loves self-improvement books, and whenever she gets ready, she's always listening to audiobooks. And honestly, she's like my inspiration in that way. I love how much she reads. The other day, I'm getting really off topic, so I'm sorry, but the other day, um, we were in Florida together for a college tour, which we had so much fun, and I will need to make a podcast episode on it because it was the most incredible and serendipitous experience of my life, but we were driving back from the college. It was like two hours from where we were staying, and we just like got a book on Audible, and we listened to it on the trip home. And it was actually a lot of fun. Like, it's so fun to have people who you can, like, read books with. So I think she's really cool in that regard. But anywho, I'm getting really distracted. You can literally download Audible books to your Kindle and you can listen to them with earbuds. Because, okay, one thing I like about the Kindle is actually the fact that it doesn't have a speaker. So, like, I never have to worry about my earbuds disconnecting and things playing out loud because it doesn't have a speaker, right? So, like, I can just connect my earbuds with Bluetooth to my Kindle, and I've started this new ritual of, like, whenever I'm driving somewhere in the mornings, I used to listen to music, um, but instead I literally put in earbuds, which probably isn't the best to drive with earbuds in, but I put in my earbuds and I connect to my Kindle and I listen to audiobooks as I drive and I love it. It's like, it makes my drive so much more worthwhile and I kind of like it more with the earbuds in because it kind of helps me block out my environment, which I know is like a bad reason and probably not the safest, but I make sure I don't use the noise canceling feature when I drive, so it's okay. You know, it's okay. Not the best, but it's okay. Anyway, this was what totally broke my screen addiction. I need to put this away because battery's draining. This was what totally broke my screen addiction. Whenever I had free moments, like most of us normally do, I would pull out my phone and I would just feel compelled to open TikTok or Instagram to see if I got any comments, if I got any likes, if anyone texted me. And, you know, that's all fine and dandy, but it was really, really bad for my mental health. And one of the lessons that I learned this year that I'll expand more on is that your gut knows everything and you need to pay more attention to what your body is telling you because anxiety really is a messenger And most of us just try to shoot it down when it comes to us, but what we need to do is tap in and listen and see what it's trying to tell us. So I noticed one day I was walking out of my third block class and I literally have to walk up like a really big hill to get to my main school building um, for my fourth block class because my third block is kind of like in the STEM building, um, which is like a really tiny kind of rundown building at the bottom of a hill. but we love it anyway. So I was about to walk up the hill. I had been working really hard all throughout the morning. Like I felt so in the flow state, so peaceful. And then I decided I would check Instagram. And as soon as I opened the app, anxiety just flooded me and I felt so horrible. And I noticed like it was a consistent pattern. Every time I would go on social media, it would just kind of stress me out. And so When I got my Kindle and I started reading consistently, 
it changed everything for me because it's like a device. So like, you know, you kind of have the instinct to pick something up when you're bored. And for most of us, it's your phone. But if you can get something else to pick up when you're bored, that changes the game. And because the Kindle is built like any other device, when you pick it up, it kind of tricks your brain into thinking that you're picking up your phone. Like it kind of scratches that itch, if that makes any sense. And so I completely replaced like my phone with my Kindle. And you would not believe like how much my screen time reduced by. It was crazy. Um, what I do when I get home from school is actually like I'm so over the phone that I just plug it into the wall in the kitchen downstairs and then I go up to my room and I don't even use my phone. I don't even want to anymore because I love all the books that I'm reading. Goodreads is also a huge motivator. I should have put that in the actual like number four lesson thing but if you want to build a consistent reading habit get Goodreads and add me. Um, you post book updates, so, like, when you're reading a book, you, like, post, okay, I'm 50% through, here are my thoughts about the book so far, I'm 75% through, I'm done, and, like, it posts those updates to your feed, so it kind of gives you social validation for doing the right thing and reading books, and I love it. I update my Goodreads more than any social media. I update my Goodreads more than any social media, and it's incredible. I love it so much. I need to move on. Number five, showing love to everyone, even those who have wronged you, is more healing than being hateful and cold until you reach this stage you haven't moved on. This was really big for me. Um, last night, I was actually recording all of these like um, lessons and somehow the footage got deleted um, by accident. And I got really vulnerable when I was talking about this one, so I'm not sure if God was telling me, like, hey, you know, kind of don't give too many details. But I will say, there is someone um, who has kind of challenged me um, to stay loving despite their, <laughs> I don't want to say toxicity, but just, like, their tendency to be difficult and, yeah, kind of toxic. Um, there was... A guy that I briefly had a thing with like um, summer of 2022 I would say it was pretty serious um, like we definitely really did love each other it feels so weird getting like vulnerable about stuff because I normally I noticed I normally don't share that much on my podcasts but he was a really really good person deep down just the thing that ended the relationship was the fact that he hadn't fully healed from a lot of things in his past and it was perpetually causing problems for us because instead of being able to enjoy our time together usually like he would kind of get triggered by things that like I couldn't even really control like let's say some random guy comes and like says hi to me like I can't really control that, you know, I don't flirt back with anyone, like, but even just that could kind of trigger him, and then he'd get mad at me, and he would just kind of, like, spiral in this, like, anger and self-pity, and it was just not very good. Um, I really cared about him, but at the end of the day, like, I realized me being with him is only going to keep him from healing, and so it was really hard, but I had to learn to walk away. And the aftermath of that was really difficult because for, I think, seven months, we didn't talk at all, no contact. I would always recommend that to people who are kind of like, if you break up with someone, like, you have to cut all ties. So we didn't talk for like seven months, um, which was really awkward because we'd see each other in the halls all the time. Like, I would pass him. Um, almost every day. I know in second semester, like, my third block was right next to his, so whenever we'd be dismissed for lunch, I would literally, like, be walking right next to him in the halls, and we would not talk to each other at all, so it felt really awkward, but eventually, like, once enough time had passed, um, I broke the ice because I'm just that kind of person, you know. I don't want to have beef with anyone, and we actually ended up talking, and 
we were kind of able to reflect on what went wrong and say, like, you know, I'm kind of glad that you're doing well now. It's good that things worked out for both of us. It was a nice conversation. I'm not sure what happened, but after that, um, this school year, at least, he kind of went bananas. (laughs) That sounds really funny. Um, I'm trying to think of how to say this without giving away too much information. But despite my efforts to consistently be kind to him, like, if things were going well for him, I would never, ever, ever try to mess things up for him because he deserves to be happy. It was always, like, my only wish that he ended up happy. And that's still something, like, that I want to happen. I don't think I'll ever stop hoping that he really does heal and find happiness. And I told him, like, when we dated, and I really did mean it, like... I want you to be happy whether that means you're with me or not. Like, I told him I will always, always be rooting for you because you deserve to have a happy ending. And I meant it. I really did. Um, So this has kind of challenged me to show love. In September, he thought that I was talking to this guy. He thought that I was interested in this guy who, I guess, sat with him at lunch. Um, And... I don't think that was the case. Like, I was just kind of friends with this guy because he's another content creator. Um, And so my ex, I guess he saw my name on this guy's phone and he texted me. He was like, I see you flirting it up with insert name of guy I was texting. And I was like, what? What do you mean? Like, no, we weren't flirting because we actually weren't. (laughs) This is also high school, and I'm so sorry if you have to listen to this and you're above a high school age. I know it's immature. But anyway, so um, he told me, he said, oh, I'm going to try to set you guys up. And I was like, "Uh, okay, that's a little bit weird. Like, I don't know why you're getting involved. And I really, I don't know. I just didn't know enough about the guy to be interested in him. But my ex said, yeah, I'll set you guys up. Well, this guy and I um, ended up meeting for tutoring. And he told me, he was like, oh, your your ex brought you up. Um, and we realized that he had actually lied to both of us because he told me that he was trying to set me up. But he actually tried to sabotage me, like with this guy that I wasn't even interested in. And he told the guy that I had been, like, going around telling people that we were flirting, which is just crazy. Like, I would never go around and brag about flirting with someone. That's so weird. Um, But I guess he wanted to make me look crazy and obsessive. And luckily, um, the guy that I was friends with, he's, like, a good enough person to probably not believe that. And we both were, like, kind of shocked because we were both lied to. I was told that I was set up when I was really sabotaged. And um, I don't know. It was just such a messy situation. And I let it slide because I realized, you know, I'm graduating in a year. I don't need to be upset. I think, you know, the ex is just kind of hurt that he thinks I'm moving on. And that's okay. Like, you know, everyone's... their own stage in their healing journey. Let it slide. Well, he starts revving his engine at me, like, in the parking lots of the school, which is just kind of, I don't know why. Like, I really don't get it. I also ignore that. Well, we ended up texting again because I was just kind of like, I kind of wanted to see what would happen if I was friendly because I was really, really confused by everything that was going on. And he was just so rude, like genuinely so rude, so awful. Um, And like, it's weird because he acts in a way where it's like, he's obviously not over the situation if he's trying to sabotage things for me and acting in this immature way. Um, But at the same time, whenever I do talk to him, He's just very immature. Um, He says very rude things about me and my friends. He um, tries to act like he's too cool for me. He's just... He's just not being very mature or kind, which is weird because I know that he has a really, really good side. I just think that he's so hurt 
Um, and I think he continues to get more and more hurt and not heal. And as a result, he just becomes more and more kind of abrasive to the world. And so I've really been challenged to be kind and remain kind in this situation because I realized, yeah, you know what? I could be angry at him and I could lash out for him trying to like insert himself in my life and kind of like harass me in a sense by trying to put himself in my social situations. But then I realized, you know what? Everyone is hurting and everyone is insecure in one way or another. And so that's just one example of a time when I really had to learn how to show people love, even though they weren't being the best to me and I kind of wanted to be resentful. Um, But approaching the situation with love is really the only way to heal. And I know this was a long example, but I hope it helps. And it ties into the next one I have on my list, which is number six. On the flip side, people who mistreat you are just trying to protect themselves from pain. We're all insecure and hurting, so don't take it personally. Some of us are better at handling it than others. It's very, very true. Whenever people do lash out, like as in the case of the ex that was lashing out, it's because they are insecure and hurting in one way or another. And so I just felt more so like, you know, after the initial anger, I felt kind of bad about it because I realized like, you know, this guy must have been really hurt if he thought that I was moving on or like um, that I just didn't care about him anymore. Because, you know, I do care about him, but I think that like it's kind of inappropriate for me to express that care to someone who I'm not dating. Um, I've tried to show that care by being friendly, but I think that he was just hurt by the fact that I was moving on in a sense. And instead of being rude about it, what really fixed the situation was just being kind, because that's really like the only way that we can heal anything in the world. A lot of us I see on TikTok are promoting this trend of ghosting people and being heartless, you know, people try to come back and ask for forgiveness and we don't give it to them. I want to make something clear. If someone wrongs you, you should never put yourself in a position to allow them to wrong you again, but you should show them forgiveness. I actually read a book called The Gift of Forgiveness this year. Um, I'll try to put it there if I remember. It was a pretty good book. It was like a bunch of short stories about forgiveness. And it really taught me that forgiveness is more so about you and keeping your heart pure than it is about letting someone get away with wronging you. You have to see it that way. Because if you stay bitter and resentful, you're just putting hate out into the world. And usually you don't even get the chance to be hateful towards the person who wronged you because sometimes a situation can happen where you're still no contact with the person who hurt you probably as you should be and so if you hold on to that resentment you end up spewing it on everyone in your personal life and people who don't deserve it so you really need to learn how to have empathy for the fact that when people do lash out it's coming from a place of hurt and They don't mean it like in a way where they genuinely want to cause you harm most of the time. It's usually just some deep inner battle that's going on. And I will give another example, even though this has been a really long podcast episode and I'm not even like halfway through, but there's this girl in one of my classes. Sorry, I need to take a sip. There's a girl in one of my classes who laughs at me all the time. It's really weird. I don't understand. Well, I do understand why. It's because she's, I guess I make her insecure on some level and she kind of wants to feel like she has the upper hand and laughing gives her that upper hand. Um, Whenever I walk into class, like one time we had a presentation and I walk into class, um, you know, I'm wearing like my cute outfit. I have like my tights on with my black skirt, black shirt, hair bow. It's a very Abigail outfit. I love like that classy feminine style and she looked at me and she laughed (laughs) I did not understand it I just ignored it Um, and another time I was working on a paper I said in the back of the class because you know if I'm there to work I'm there to work like not to talk 
I really just generally isolate myself if I need to get work done. So I was like, I had my mouse out. I was tearing up that bibliography. I was like typing really quickly. And I've never seen anything like this before. She turns around in her chair. She looks at me. She goes, (laughs) and then she turns back around and I ignored it because I just, I didn't see a reason to acknowledge it because it seemed like she wanted me to feed into that negativity, but I don't want to do that because I think that she's literally so smart. She's so talented. I don't know why I bother her so much um, because she's, she's really great at writing. Um, I think that she's like, she's just a cool person. I don't know why she dislikes me, but anyway, three minutes later, again, she turns around in her chair, looks back at me typing, (laughs) and then she turns back around. I ignored it again. Five minutes later, she turns around, looks at me typing, (laughs) turns back around. I've never witnessed anything like it before. Um, And so that's kind of an illustration of how sometimes when people are jealous and they lash out, it's not because you're a bad person. It's not because you deserve it. It's not because you're unlikable or unworthy. It's just that sometimes when you're doing really well, it can trigger people. And that's unfortunately a side effect of being successful and aligned with your purpose and doing things that you love. So moving on, number seven, you can't predict the future with half the accuracy you think you can, so just have faith that God will take you where you need to go. This one's really important. I used to be the biggest predictor ever. I would cling on to the future, and I have goals, and that's a good thing, but when it came to people, I basically tried to have a crystal ball when it came to people. I would always try to predict the future and I would cling on to the outcome that I wanted with a friendship or with a guy I was talking to and it just was so unhealthy because I couldn't enjoy the present as long as I was clinging on to like this, you know, distant reality that I wanted to happen because we don't have control over things and at the end of the day, As humbling as it is to realize, God knows things that you don't know, and so many times you won't get what you want, but like months later, you'll realize it is so good that you didn't get what you want because God has something better for you, or you just find out something about the person that you wanted so badly that makes you realize, wow, I really dodged a bullet there, and I'm trying to think, I mean, this happens so many times this year, at the beginning of the year at least. Um, October and November, I did so much work on myself and I've really learned how to step into my feminine energy and not need anyone external to fulfill me. And that's been a beautiful shift. And I no longer look for male validation as much as I used to. I've really just gotten to a point where I'm just happy living my own life, doing my own thing working on my book, running, you know, doing things that make my heart happy. And I'm no longer concerned with trying to cling on to people as tightly as I used to before. But in September, September was a really bad month for me in terms of this. There were a few guys who made moves on me and I just got really attached every time someone would make a move or like show interest in me. And immediately because I felt like there was kind of a void in my life, Um, The void was my own approval, which I didn't realize, but I thought that having someone else's approval would fix things for me. So when people showed interest in me, I was like, yes, I want to cling on to this. I want to keep this going. Um, And so I would hope that, you know, these people would stay, um, even if they really weren't up to my standards, which I haven't talked to anyone who's like really bad. Like I haven't talked to any low value men. They're all relatively high value. But none of them were really right for me. None of them were a click for me, if that makes any sense. And so I tried to keep these people around and I put so much mental real estate into thinking about them and thinking about, oh, I hope things go well, you know, I hope they like me. And it was all because I was trying to fill this void of approval. And thank God nothing worked out with any of them because I know now, like, I shouldn't settle for anything less than someone who's a perfect fit for me romantically. 
and that void ended up being filled by myself because I started writing my book this month and I've just been reading so many books too and I just feel so much more whole just as I am and so God had something good planned for me and I feel way better now than I ever would have had I even gotten in a relationship with anyone. So seven, wait, no, we're on eight. Eight, wearing no makeup is healing to the soul. I'm not sure how much storage my computer has, so I need to hurry up. I stopped wearing makeup actually, I think October 8th. It's now November 22nd, my birthday. It's been one of the best decisions I have ever made. I am just so much more confident with myself now, and I used to always feel like I had to put on at least foundation and mascara, always mascara, before going out, because I just, I don't know why, I kind of conditioned myself to believe that because my face has acne, I need to cover it up and distract with, like, mascara, and, you know, I'm still working on fixing my skin, because I've recently realized it's due to diet and poor gut health that, like, I have a forehead breakout, and so I'm working on fixing that. But makeup really only exacerbated my issues because, one, you're, like, putting chemicals on your face when it just needs to heal, Um, so you're, like, smothering it in chemicals, and that makes it hard for your skin to breathe, and it's just, I don't think it's healthy to be putting that on your face. Um, And it's not because I'm saying women shouldn't be able to express themselves because I think that, like, for a fancy occasion, like, yes, like, go ahead, put on makeup, do what makes you feel confident. Even if you're wearing makeup every day, all that matters is that it makes you feel confident. For me, it had the opposite effect. I didn't like the way that I looked when I took the mascara off because I wore mascara, like, I can't think of a time when I didn't wear mascara. Like, even if I was going on a run, I'd put on mascara beforehand, like a crazy person. And so I just stopped liking my natural face when I was wearing makeup, and I stopped wearing makeup. It's been a month, and I love the way that I naturally look now, and I feel so much more confident because now I know that when people like me and when people show me attention and show me love, I know that they really are connecting to the real me. Because when I had makeup on, sometimes I would think, oh, well, maybe they're only interested in me because I have makeup on. Maybe, um, you know, I'm not worthy without it. And I took the makeup off, and now I have the same results that I had before, but now I realize that it's genuine. Okay, so number nine, no amount of skincare will fix your skin until you fix your diet and gut health. I realized this, and this is so important for the ladies listening, um, especially if you're a teenager and you struggle with acne like I do, there's no shame in it. You know, it's not something that makes you unworthy because to some extent, like, you know, we have crazy hormones and it kind of is out of our control in some senses. But I started a new skincare routine. Um, I have oily skin, so I was using benzoyl peroxide before, and apparently you're not supposed to do that if you have oily skin. But I was putting it on twice a day, and I noticed I just did not like my skin, so I stopped that. I did some research. I got some skincare, like, specifically for oily skin. Um, So now I use, like, the salicylic acid um, at night, and I use like a gentle cleanser in the morning before and after I run. And so I was doing all the right things in terms of skincare, but as you can see, like if you're watching it, I still kind of have a breakout on my forehead. And that was very alarming because I stopped wearing makeup, I had a new skincare routine. And my skin wasn't fully clearing up, and that's a very jarring feeling. Like, when you think that you're doing everything right, but nothing's changing. And I did a lot of research, and as it would turn out, when people have this problem, it means that they have poor gut health, because the gut and the skin are, like, so intertwined. So when you have an unhealthy gut, and you're eating bad foods, it reflects in your skin. And so... One thing that I really saw repeated over and over from my Google searches was that dairy is really bad for your skin. And so, yeah, I am kind of messing up having this protein strawberry milkshake, but I've tried to minimize dairy. I'm hoping that it gives me better results. 
And another big thing is just that you shouldn't be having processed sugar. I mean, you shouldn't be having it anyway, but especially if you want good gut health, you need to cut out all the really processed things in the sugar. So I'm hoping I get good results from this, but I thought I'd share. Number 10, character matters more than success. There are plenty of successful and attractive people who are either bitter or just not very fun to talk to. I don't want to give too much away, but... One thing that happened this year, as I said, like, this was my year of self-improvement. I made so many strides in all facets of self-improvement. I mean, my productivity is so much better than it's ever been. My emotional maturity, like, you know, just how healed my heart is. It's never been better than it is right now. And so as a byproduct of my healing and, you know, me kind of glowing up and, you know, stepping into who I was meant to be, The types of men that I attracted changed dramatically. Before, um, I would say in my first two years of high school, I was scraping at the bottom of the barrel. Let me tell you, I was not attracting high-value men. I was attracting very low-value men, men who were like in their wounded masculine energy. Um, They were just not very masculine, not very assertive. not very hardworking, dare I say, and it was not good. Not good at all. So I leveled up. The types of men who started, like, you know, sending me DMs and, like, talking to me at school so drastically changed. All of a sudden, like, guys who were, like, ripped became, like, the standard, which is really weird. Like, before, I had a very messed up self-concept, and I didn't think that, like, I was really capable of having people like that be interested in me, but I had to level up my self-concept because, you know, everything in my life was changing, and I really was leveling up, so um, I became worthy of a lot more than I was worthy of before. (laughs) Like, I was just, like, I got to a point where you know, talking to the types of guys that I used to talk to just did not match where I was at all anymore. Like, it just wouldn't work. Like, I leveled up to the point where it was like we were just in two separate worlds. And so, like, naturally, the types of guys that were interested in me also had to change. And so, all sorts of CEOs, like, ripped guys, entrepreneurs, like, started talking to me. And it was interesting. It's been an interesting year. Um, But what I learned was that as I was, like, talking to these guys who, like, I used to never think, like, I was capable of really having anything with, um, as I was talking to them, I realized, like, (sighs) success really isn't everything it's cracked up to be when you're looking for, like, someone to potentially date. And I haven't I haven't dated in like well over a year Um, because luckily I've had standards and I've known like when to walk away from situations and something interesting is that some of these ripped guys like very successful guys that you'll see they're really not all that like yes they may have like a super ripped frame they may be very muscular um, they may be very wealthy but some of them just have flawed morals and it's not worth it to like continue talking to those types of guys if you start attracting them if they have bad morals because you know yes you may be attracting better than you did before but don't stop until you found someone who really checks all your boxes including the moral ones and I was talking to this guy who's like he's very wealthy for his age um very successful, ripped, um, (laughs) and I just, like, you know, even though he was showing me attention and all the guys who were, like, in my life at the moment kind of trying to pursue me, like, they treat me very well, they spoil me, because, I don't know, I guess I've leveled up to that point, and I've gotten to a point where, like, you know, I realize that I'm worthy of that, but, hmm, how do I say this, the morals were not there, 
yes, he treated me very well, and all the guys who are in my life, like, treat me so respectfully. Um, they buy me things, like, they make sure that I'm taken care of, but, um, unfortunately, he kind of, as I found through a Google search, kind of a dig through his TikTok, uh, he kind of has, like, a questionable moral history, and so, it was very difficult for me because I was starting to get attached to this, like, idea that, you know, maybe I would end up with someone like that who's, like, you know, an entrepreneur, very successful, ripped, etc. I was so excited by, like, you know, all these new people coming in my life because it really reflected a change in, like, the reality I've always lived in. But the morals just weren't there and I... I'm so thankful to God for giving me the strength to, like, let go of the situation, but some of these guys who are really successful, they will want you and they will pursue you because you have good morals and, like, your wife material and they know that you're not going to cheat on them, they know that you have good values, that you're loyal, and so they will take very good care of you, they'll spoil you, they'll be very respectful to you. But that doesn't mean that they can't have other girls that they're talking to in a much more casual manner on the side. And <laughs> that's something you should kind of be aware of because you don't want to get blindsided. And even if a guy's treating you well, you still need to go ahead and check and make sure, like, does he check your other boxes? Is he really a good person? You don't have to settle for anything less than someone who is, like, really a godly person. Um, and so, yeah, that's just my little speech on how character definitely matters, even if you have people who are successful and attractive interested in you. Okay, 11, sleep matters a lot more than you think, so prioritize it. This one's really big. I used to not prioritize sleep. I'm getting a lot better at it. It's still something I need to work on, but just all in all, I've noticed my best days are always the days when I've gotten a full eight hours of sleep. I feel so, like, light and playful and happy, and nothing really faces me the same way things get on my nerves when I'm sleep-deprived. So, number 12, accepting your emotions instead of fighting them is the only way to rise above them. This one's really big, actually. I'm reading this book called Radical Acceptance. I'll try to put it here. It's incredible. I love it so much. It's up there with Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza, which is like my all-time favorite book. I love it. I'm listening to the audiobook, and it's all about just learning to like accept your life and how accepting your life is actually the key to changing yourself, as I mentioned earlier, actually. And just feeling happy because so many of us are chasing like the past and the present and getting mad at ourselves and focusing only on the negative. But pure acceptance is just the way to ease your anxiety. And there's this beautiful chapter where she's talking about instead of saying no to your emotions, like think of a situation that makes you mad, you know, something that really hurt you. What you normally do is you try to say, no, I don't want to feel anxious. I don't want to feel sad. This is wrong. So we try to push it away. Instead, try saying yes to the emotions that rise up. This totally changed the game for me. Instead of feeling mad at yourself for being anxious, really just take a deep breath and say, yes, I'm listening to you. And listen to your emotions. See what they have to tell you. That's the only way you can actually rise above them. So now, 13, your gut knows everything. Listen to it when making every decision, especially decisions involving other people. This one is so, so big. I really have learned within the past month the importance of listening to your gut. My gut has not led me astray thus far. As females, especially if you're a female listening to this podcast, we have such a strong sense of, like, instinct. And your instinct so often knows the answers to things that you haven't consciously figured out yet. And I believe it's because we're divine beings and we have a connection to God. And I think that sometimes God speaks to you through those little gut instincts that you have. And when it comes to making decisions with other people, like, should I text him? Should I not text him? Um, should I put in more effort to this friendship? Should I go ask someone if they're okay? 
those are all gut instincts. And even like, even when it comes to being productive and trying to figure out what the best step to take is, if you just pause and you listen to your body, it'll often tell you what the right answer is. I won't go too deep into it because this episode is super long. I could actually make an entirely new episode on it, but just pause and listen. You'll be very surprised with just how right your gut always is. 14. Discomfort and anxiety are not the enemy. They're messengers trying to help you by telling you that something is wrong. Listen to them instead of trying to shoot them down. This is really important. I used to, as I said, not accept my emotions and I would get so mad whenever I'd feel anxious because I thought being happy all the time was what I was supposed to feel. This was really bad for me because if you're already anxious and uncomfortable, getting anxious about being anxious only makes it worse. But if you say, hey, you know what, it's okay that I'm feeling this way and I'm going to get to the root of the problem, that's the only way to actually like move on from those emotions. So I really recommend that instead of trying to shoot those emotions down, as I said, pause, listen, what are they trying to tell you? What does my body need right now? That'll help you so much more than you expect. Now, 15, serendipity is everywhere. And when you start your day with the mantra, not the mantra, the mantra, let life surprise you, magic will start to happen. This was something I figured out in September and I was shocked. Every time I would like find myself attaching to a future outcome and trying to force certain things to happen, I would force myself to let go and say, you know what, Abigail, let God surprise you. And then the most magical things would happen. I'd run into people that I wanted to see. Um, People would approach me and tell me like that they liked my podcast. I would get all sorts of opportunities. Just life felt good. Like random good things just started to happen to me throughout the day. And that's the magic of what happens when you let go and just trust in what God has planned for you. We're getting close to the end. Number 16 is... Find a community in whatever you do. Even the most self-disciplined people need support sometimes. This was so big for me because when I started running, I had no community, but I actually learned to join communities and it was a huge part of what has motivated me to keep running for so long and really stay like up and like, it's it's what's motivated me to keep going even on days when I don't want to work out. I joined a women's workout group and I don't go every week, but if I do need a boost of motivation, it's so great to have people to work out with in your hometown and it'll help you a lot more than you think. There are run clubs everywhere if you want people to run with. I'm not even joking. Like almost every city has some sort of run club. So if you want to find people to work out with, you should do that. And even when it comes to content creation, Find other people who do something similar to you. Um, If you're in school, find other people who want to study. Finding that community will bring you so much um, of a sense of purpose, and it'll bring you so much peace because humans are social beings, and you would be foolish to ignore the fact that we really do need connection. I think a study came out that said that loneliness is worse for you than smoking, and I could 100% believe it because I have been you know, before I would really isolate myself because I got in this lone wolf mentality of like, you know, everything you have to do is alone. No one else really relates to you. And so I'd isolate myself and I'd miss out on a lot of opportunities to connect with people. And I regret that a lot. Things really are more beautiful and it's so much easier to stay motivated when you have people with you. And finally, 17, Learn everyone's story because your assumptions about other people are often completely incorrect. This is very true. I can't count the number of times this year when I've made an assumption about someone that has turned out to be completely wrong. We really have no idea what we're talking about when it comes to other people. And so often we make assumptions and it's like we don't know what goes on behind closed doors when they get home. We don't know what kind of childhood they had. We don't know what they're battling in their personal life right now. So, you know, when people are different or maybe seem rude or abrasive, as I said before, you have to understand that we're all hurt in some way or another. And 
oftentimes even when we do think that we're judging someone correctly on like a personality trait of theirs or maybe like a fact of their life like oh maybe um x person is very smart right sometimes you'll just discover things that completely disprove your assumptions like maybe said person will completely bomb a test and then you'll be really surprised we can just build people up in our heads to be something that they're not and I think it's a human thing to do because we all want to feel some sense of control over our reality. And when we assign labels to people and when we decide, you know, the types of person that they are, then we think that we have control in a sense. Because we're saying, oh, well, you know, I can just categorize this person and then I won't have to like guess about what they are because I'll just tell myself what they are. But when we do that, we miss out on a lot of connection because... We miss out on the opportunity to really hear their story and connect with them. And when you do really make the effort to talk to people and hear their story, you'll be so surprised by how much there is that you had no idea and never would have guessed about them. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I bet it's going to be a really long one. I can already tell. But I had so much fun making it and I hope to make more video episodes. I'm so glad I finally got my camera and mic set up. And, well, I'll see you in the next week's episode.